We are in a series entitled OMG, Oh My God. Pastor Jason led us last Sunday in talking about the holiness of God and how that we have a tendency of dumbing down the things that really, really matter to God. If you remember, he said you went to Dunkin' Donuts and you got your coffee and your bagel, and you said that was amazing. And yet we say, we talk about God and God is amazing. And it's really not in the same context. If you watch enough sitcoms on television, you will hear the phrase, oh my God, used over and over and over and over. I, I lost my job. Oh my God. I just found out I'm pregnant. Oh my God. I got hit. My car got sideswiped on the street last night. Oh my God. And there are several ways that that phrase is used, but this morning, there's probably not a message that I have preached that has been as significant and has affected me as much as this message. You see, we live in a day where we have lost our wonder of God. And I'm not talking about I wonder where God is when I need him. I'm talking about the wonder of God. When children are born, they come into this world and their world is filled with wonder. And what we don't realize that until they become of an age where that they understand and they are, they are, they are accountable and they understand what God is all about. As parents, you and I are the only God that they know. And we do amazing things for them and we can make little bubble faces and we can hide and seek and we can make things appear and disappear. And for that child, it's just, it's amazing. And they stand in wonder of mom and dad. And yet it's becoming earlier and earlier, but at an early age with the technology and everything that is available with our children, they move out of the wonder years into the years of reality and nothing more becomes a wonder. This morning, I want to share with you a message I believe that will touch us, and it will do one of two things today. For some of us, it will be comforting, and for some of us, it will be convicting. If it affects you like it has me, it will really mess up your world. And, and it will, at, even to the point that when you sit down for your lunch today, it's the, the appetite really isn't there because you have left here sensing, sensing the fact that God knows us, that God really knows us. And we're not talking about a God that knows what's going on in Africa, what's going on in the ghetto, what's going on with, with uh, unborn children, what's, what's going on with aborted children. Friends, we are talking this morning about a God that knows us intimately. And this is probably one of the first messages that I've, I've put together that God has given to me two very specific things in my life that has affirmed that this is what he wants us to preach on this morning. And then I come up this morning and, 
and, and John and, and Jake and Luke are here, and they said, would you like to join us as, as we pray with the worship team? And, and John told me, he said, this week as, as Jake and I were sitting down and we were going through scriptures, just saying, God, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to talk about? What do you want us to, to how do you want us to worship you on Sunday? And, and he said, God led us to Psalm 139. And, and that's my text this morning. They just read for you my text in the worship set. You see, God is not a God of coincidence, and he is not a God of accidents. He is a God that knows. And we certainly live in a world today where human knowledge is increasing exponentially. See, it has only been in 1953 where there are 100 computers in the world. Most of those computers were about three stories high. Today, there are over 150 million computers in our homes and in our schools and in our offices. The Donnelly Marketing Agency tells us that from the, for the 85 million out of 90 million households in our country, with their statistics and their databases, they can tell you what you like to eat, the television programs that you watch, the periodicals and magazines and newspapers that you like to read. They can tell you your preferences simply based on the data that has been brought together. Scientists tell us that today that they can detect a two-piece foot of wood from a satellite 100 miles in space. And it used to be that knowledge was increasing uh, at a significant rate, but now they tell us that every 18 months, knowledge doubles. Every 18 months, knowledge doubles. And because we are aware of that and understand that human knowledge is increasing every 18 months, yet I am here to tell you this morning <clears throat> that we have yet to scratch the surface compared to the omniscience of the all-knowing God. You see, if God is omnipotent, which means that he is all-powerful, if God is omnipresent, which means that he is ever-present, he has to be omniscient, which means that he is all-knowing. And we serve a God this morning from the very beginning of time. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And from that very beginning of time, God knew what he wanted to do. God knew that he had a plan. He knew that he had a strategy. He knew before the foundations of the world when you and I were going to come into existence. And friends, God knows today that he has a plan for you. <clears throat> Even from the beginning of time. When he created the heavens and the earth, he put the stars in space and the sun and the moon, and he created the beast of the field and the fowls of the air, and he created man and woman. And in every one of those things, he placed a seed of himself. And God knew that if the world was going to continue to exist, that those animals and those humans and all of the things of this world would have to be able to self-perpetuate. And so within mankind, there is a seed that God has planted. And I want you to know this morning that God has planted a seed inside of you. 
He has a plan for your life. Excuse me. He has a strategy for your life. He has everything worked out for you. It's in there inside of you. God knows us. Now, we serve a God today because he's all-knowing. We serve a God that never has to calculate. He never has to assume. He never has to guess. We serve a God that knows our past and our present and our future. We serve a God this morning that understands everything from the beginning to the end. He knows us completely and thoroughly and intimately. We serve a God that never has to discover anything. He never is surprised and he never is amazed because he's God. And it is so simple, and yet I believe that one of the greatest needs in the body of Christ is to understand the omniscience of God, that God knows me. And I don't know what your reaction is this morning, but when I was looking through Psalm 139, I began to put my notes and things together. I had to just set my pen and paper down and put it aside and simply say, Oh, my God. Because, you see, here's what happens when we lose the wonder of God. When we begin to lose the wonder of God, that allows pride to come in. Because we can figure it out. We can understand it. We can have an answer for it. We can make sense of it. And therefore, because we are able to do those things, we no longer have the wonder of God. But I want you to know today that there is still a time to stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. How wonderful, how marvelous will our song shall ever be. Because you see, with that wonder comes worship. And that's what worship is all about. Worship is not a component on Sunday morning. Worship is not something we do before we greet, before we dismiss kids, before we take an offering, before we preach. Worship is designed to bring us into the depths of Almighty God. Worship is designed for you and I to come in before the holiness of God and to come in that place where God knows us and we sense as though that we are standing before him spiritually naked because God sees everything. When we come to that place, we understand what the psalmist David is talking about. Most people have said that this is one of the most magnificent Psalms and hymns that was ever written, Psalm 139. And I'm going to indulge you this morning simply by reading again some of the scripture that we're going to examine today. Psalm 139, verse 1 to verse 6. O Lord, catch that. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. 
O Lord, you hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. When we're flipping through the psalm, many of David's psalms begins with, Bless the Lord, praise the Lord, rejoice in the Lord. But Psalm 39 simply begins with, O Lord, O Lord. You see, five times in this psalm, David acknowledged that God knew him. Psalm 139 is not a lecture on theology. It's, it's not up for a philosophical debate. Psalm 139 was written by a man who has finally come to the realization that God really knows him completely and intimately. And my friends, if we catch that this morning, it will revolutionize our world. If we grasp what God is trying to say to us today, it will change the way that we think. It will change what we do. It will change what we say. It will change how we act. It will change our behavior when we really understand he knows. Originally, and sometimes I, I come up with with. Ideas, and then I get up here, and God says, "No, we're going to switch and do not do that." But originally, I was going to have you sing the Christmas jingle. He knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you are good or bad. So be good for goodness' sake. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. And we all sing that because Santa Claus, Santa Claus, is coming to town. And the sad part of that is there are people in this congregation and in this community that are oftentimes more concerned about what Santa Claus is knowing about them than they are about what God is knowing about them. And if we are able to live according to the standard that God has given to us, we won't have to worry about Santa Claus. How many of you know he's just fictional anyway? <laughs> Sorry if I upset your apple cart. No Santa Claus. You see, we come to this place that God knows what we do. Turn to somebody beside you and say to them, God knows what I do. God knows what I do. When David said, you search me, that word search means to dig out. That means that even unknownst to us, even when we are not aware of it, God is digging in us and digging out of us. It's, it, it's almost like an archaeological project. 
God is digging, and he's digging into the depths. He's digging into our emotions. He's digging into our feelings. He's digging into our intellect. God is digging. He's digging. He's digging. And when he gets down to those places, David says, you have searched me. You have dug out of me who I really am, and you know me. And then David said that you discern my going out and my lying down. That word discern simply means to winnow. In Old Testament time and even on the early frontiers in our country, they would take the wheat and with the the tying fork, they would take a a pitchfork of wheat and, and throw it up in the air. And the wind would blow the chaff off to one side and the seed would fall down to the other. And they would do that in winnowing of the wheat and eliminating the chaff. And David says, God, you're taking my world and you're just tossing it upside down. And in doing so, you are separating the chaff from the wheat. I, I, I'm just going to be transparent with you this morning. I don't know if this is a, a God week. I don't know if it's a God thing forever. But I've got to say to you, after reading Psalm 139 and looking at what I'm sharing with you today, I have noticed a significant difference in how I think. I have noticed, and, and, and I'm not perverted, I'm not a derelict, I'm not, I'm not any kind of an off-the-wall closet type of psychopath, but I am just no different than you. There are oftentimes thoughts that go through my mind that are not really godly thoughts. There are things that I think about many times that are selfish and natural. And I've got to say to you, the last several days, I don't know what it is. I can't explain it, but, but I can't think those thoughts anymore. They won't come. In fact, I tried to get them to come. <laughs> and, and, and I'm spending a week on the beach, and I'm walking the beach, and, and some of the things have been selfish. Some of the things have been superficial, and I try to think about them. And the only thing that was coming to mind was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I'm saying, no, I don't want to think about that. I want to think about this over here. And it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then I begin to pray in the Spirit when I start thinking about these things that I shouldn't have been thinking about, but I used to think about, but no longer think about. Chew on that for a while. Church, God knows what we do. You say, well, Pastor Don, you mean he knew when I volunteered to come and and clean up the church that day? Yeah, he knew that. You mean he he knew when I signed up to serve Erie and I spent my morning downtown in the community? Yeah, he knew that. You mean he he knew when I I decided I was going to volunteer somewhere in the church and and, and, and be a help and and, and help lighten the load a little bit in, in one of the departments? Yeah, he knew that. But what about when I got up at 2 o'clock in the morning 
and went downstairs while the family was asleep and got on the computer and went to the pornographic website because family was sleeping. Nobody would know. Yeah, he knew that too. But what about in my office? Because Pastor Don, understand, and, and please understand with me today, you do not owe me explanations. I am not, I am not the one that forgives your sins. We're dialoguing back and forth here. So you're saying, Pastor Don, you know, my wife and I, we just, I don't know what it is, but we just haven't been close lately. And there's, there's no spark. There's no, there's no charisma that's going on. But there's this lady at work. She'd just been through a terrible divorce. And we've been talking. And, and it seems like that there's kind of a spark. And, and now I can't wait to get to work in the morning because she's going to be there and, and we're going to talk. And yeah, God knows that too. And we could go on and on and on and on. You see, it is not my place this morning to bring guilt or condemnation. I can't do that. That is beyond anything that I can accomplish, but I can put some ideas in our minds today and I can bring some things to our remembrance that not only God knows the good things that we do, because you see, if God knows our secrets, he also knows our sins. Pastor Don, you mean when I, when I sat down and, and, and prepared my tax return last month and it said number of dependents, and I added a couple because Pastor Don, technically, you know, the neighbor kids do come over a lot. And, 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 and we feed them. We, we give them hamburgers and hot dogs and, and, and ice cream. And, and technically, you, you know, they, they fall and hurt their knee and we fix their boo-boo. And, and, and technically, we, we really help those neighbor kids. So, so I'm just going to add a couple to my dependents. Yeah, God knows that. See, he knows what we do. Not only that, but the psalmist David says, he knows what we think. He said, well, Don, you're really kind of taking the fun out of my day here. He knows what we think. In fact, God knows our intents and our motives that direct our thinking. And I know there have been times in my life when I have had a wrong kind of thinking, and I've understood that, and in the process of working that out, God has revealed to me why I'm thinking like I'm thinking. And he's helped me to deal with the source of why I was thinking the way that I was. He knows our motives. He knows our intents. Our secret thoughts are never hidden from God. Are you catching it with me? Our secret thoughts. You say, but Pastor Don, I've had thoughts in my mind that I haven't told my wife. I haven't told my co-worker. I haven't told my buddy. I haven't told my closest friend. But I want to tell you this morning, God knows what you're thinking. Turn to somebody and say, God knows what I think. 
then God knows what we say. Not only does he know what we say, he knows what we're going to say before we say it. Have you ever heard the phrase, it's right on the tip of my tongue? Well, even before it gets to the tip of the tongue, God knows what we're going to say. That's why it is so important on Sunday morning that we understand that the wonder of God and the worship of God go hand in hand. That's why it's so important that we understand that that worship that leads us into the deep things of God is so significant that when we come on Sunday morning, it's not just words that we are spreading out into the air, but it's a worship of a God of holiness, a God of wonder, a God of complete knowledge that we're worshiping. God knows what we say. So, Let's apply that this morning. That means that just before you made those insensitive, sarcastic, hurtful words being spoken, God knew. Mom and dad, and I understand the pressures of parenthood. I understand that our children are precious little angels when they're asleep. (laughs) But, oh, Lord, oh, my God, when they are awake, they are different. And sometimes because of the pressures of life, we get so irritated and agitated and annoyed that all of a sudden we lash out at those children and before those words ever come forth from our mouth, God knew we were going to say them. When that husband and wife gets into a discussion in that time of marriage and before you can get the words, you're acting just like your mother out of your mouth. And you should, you should know, you should know. I say to couples, if you say to your wife, you're acting just like your mother, the next thing you need to do is turn and run (laughs) as fast as you can. Because once those words come out, they hurt. But before those insensitive, sarcastic, hurtful words ever come from our mouth, God knows what we say. And then God knows what we need. Say to the person next to you, God knows what I need. Oh, we take comfort in that. You see, wherever we are, whatever we are doing, God is aware of our circumstances and rest his comforting and protecting hand upon us. I came across a true story as I was researching for my message today. I want to share it with you 
because it will impact and it will indelibly stamp in our hearts the very fact. You see, God knows where you are. And God knows why we are where we are this morning. God knows that there are some of us that have come that actually want to experience the presence of God. He knows that. God also understands that there are some people here today strictly out of obligation. You were raised that you ought to go to church once, at least once a week, and so I'm going to come in on Sunday morning and I'm going to fill my obligation. There are some of us that have come today simply because that there's some pretty ladies that attend this church. So, oh, Pastor Don, that never happens. <laughs> There are some of you ladies here today, perhaps, because you're looking for somebody to hook up with. So I just thought all of us here were just all saintly people the coming to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We are here for different reasons, but God knows those reasons, and he knows those needs. He knows where you are. Listen to this. I will abbreviate it, but listen closely to this story which is a true story, and I'm just going to call him, well, i, I got to use his last name in the story anyway, uh, Ken, G-A-U-B, Gab, last name Gab. He starts out by saying this, at the time I was driving on I-75 near Dayton, Ohio with my wife and children, we turned off the highway for a rest and my wife, Barbara, and the children went into the restaurant, and I felt like I needed to stretch my legs, so I decided to take a walk. I bought a soft drink, and I was walking toward Dairy Queen. I was feeling a sense of self-pity. I was feeling an emptiness and a void in my life. I loved God, and I loved the ministry, but I was feeling drained. My cup was empty. Suddenly, the impatient ringing of a telephone nearby jarred me out of my thinking. It was coming from a phone booth at the service station on the corner. Why wasn't anyone going to answer the phone? Noise from the traffic was interrupting the telephone, but I was watching the service attendant continue to go about his business, and I kept saying, why doesn't somebody answer the phone? And I began reasoning it may be important. What if it's an emergency? Curiosity overcame my indifference. I stepped inside the booth and said, Hello, as I took a casual sip of my drink. The operator said, Long distance call for Ken Gobb. My eyes widened. I almost choked on a chunk of ice. Swallowing hard, I said, you're crazy. Then realizing I shouldn't speak to the operator like that, I said, this can't be. I was walking down the road, not bothering anybody, drinking my drink, and the phone rang. Is Ken Gobb there? The operator interrupted. I have a long-distance call for him. It took a moment to gain control of my babbling speech, and I finally said, yes, he is here. Searching for a possible explanation, I wondered if I could possibly be on candid camera. So I began to look around for candid camera. 
Still shaken and perplexed, I said, how in the world did you reach me here? I was walking down the road, the payphone started ringing, and I answered it by chance. You can't mean me. Well, the operator said, is Mr. Gobb there or isn't he? Yes, I'm Ken Gobb, I said, finally convinced that her voice was a real call. Then I heard another voice. That's him, operator. That's Ken Gobb. I listened dumbfounded to a strange voice identifying herself. She said, I'm Millie from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. You don't know me, Mr. Gobb, but I'm desperate. Can you please help me? I said, what can I do for you? She began weeping, and finally she gained control and said, I was about to commit suicide and just finished writing a note. When I began to pray and tell God, I really didn't want to do this. Then I suddenly remembered that I had seen you on television, and I thought if I could just talk to you, you could help me. I knew that was impossible because I didn't know how to reach you. I didn't know anyone who could help me find you. Then some numbers came to my mind, and I scribbled them down. At this point, she began weeping again. I prayed for wisdom to help her. She continued. I looked at the numbers and thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if I had a miracle from God and he's given me Ken's phone number? I decided to try to call it. I can't believe I'm talking to you. Are you in your office in California? I replied, lady, I don't have an office in California. My office is in Yakima, Washington. A little surprised, she said, oh, really? Then where are you? He goes, don't you know? You made the call. She explained, but I don't even know what area code I'm calling. I just dialed the number that I had on this paper. I said, ma'am, you won't believe this, but I'm in a phone booth in Dayton, Ohio. Really? She said, what are you doing there? I said, well, I'm answering the phone. It was ringing as I walked by, so I answered it. The short version is this. I began to counsel the woman. She told me how desperate she was. The presence of the Holy Spirit flooded the phone booth, giving me words of wisdom beyond my ability. In a matter of moments, she prayed the sinner's prayer, met the one who would lead her out of her situation into a new life. I walked away from that phone booth with an electrifying sense of our Heavenly Father's concern for each of His children. What were the odds of this happening? With millions of phone and innumerable combinations of numbers, only an all-knowing God could have caused that woman to call the number in that phone booth at that moment of time. Forgetting my drink, I headed back to my family, wondering if they would even believe my story. But finally, when I got to my family, I said, Barb, you won't believe this. God knows where I am. Church, he knows. He knows. God knows what we do. He knows what we think. He knows what we say. And he knows what we need. The psalmist David said in verses 17 and 18, he says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. 
In other words, before our mother's womb, until this very moment, in the midst of our every sin and moral compromise, his heart is fixed on us and he thinks about us all the time. He knows us and he thinks about us constantly. And then number three, God searches us conclusively. That word conclusive means putting an end to a debate or a question. Psalm 139, 23, and 24 says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. One of the things that has grabbed a hold of me we're talking a little bit about this before service time today. But dear friends, we are treading on dangerous ground when we have lost the sense of God's holiness and the sense of God's omniscience. Universities and colleges today are teaching there is no such thing as absolute truth. They have taken studies, they have taken polls, and find that 74%, 74% of all college students do not believe there's such a thing as an absolute truth. That means that for the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life, no longer applies. That means that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, no longer applies, right through Scripture. And if we are not careful, the voices that we hear from the world, from the social media, the voices around us, we buy into it because it makes it easy. If I don't have to think and worry about God knows what I do and what I say and what I think and where I go, if I don't have to deal with that, then life is not so bad. But I want to serve notice on you this morning. Once we understand that God loves us, once we understand the omniscience of God, we, like David, will say, search me. All of me, from my head to my toes. We will say, test me. See if I'm pure. See if I'm true. Now, I'm not saying that God is going to bring us to a place that we will never have faults and that we will never experience failures. That is not going to happen on this side of eternity. But when we come to this place of understanding the knowledge of God, and that's why, you see, it, it has to be something that becomes a God thing. But that's why we can't say that God's intelligent. If we say God is intelligent, then we have to compare him to the standards of mankind. That's why that we can't say God is a genius. Because if we say he's a genius, that has to put him into a category of certain numbers. That's why we can't say that God is, he's a smart guy. 
because now we are in a comparative state to where that we are comparing him with other people that we've known who were smart back over the years. None of those phrases apply to God. Only the word omniscience. He knows. Search me, test me, and then tell me. Let me know what you find. And then the psalmist says, help me. Lead me the right way. So here's the application this morning. God knows about our sin. That's what we've done. He also knows about our scars. Those are the things that's been done to us. And I want you to know today that God does not operate on our timetable, but there are things that have happened to us in our life that have created emotional scars. And it doesn't matter if it's five years or 15 years or 25 years. I'm here this morning to say that God has a way of bringing healing to those scars. Church, it's time to stop the cover-up. I believe that God is saying to us this morning, it's time to end the charade. It's time to take off the mask because I already know. And I want to help you. I want to help you. You see, when David, paraphrasing it in words of today, I have a feeling that David said something like this. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. I better just lay my pen down, take off my shoes, and humbly stand on holy ground because God knows. Friends, we can take comfort in that. You know why? Because when I was walking through this whole God knows me thing, I looked back and I said, God, I remember when I did this and you didn't strike me dead. Nope. God, I remember when I did this and you didn't smack me upside the head. Nope. God, I remember this, and I remember this, and I remember this. He said, yeah, I, I knew those things. In fact, I knew them before you did them. So I'm saying, so God, why, why have I not walked around like the lightning's ready to strike? And he simply said, I love you so much that I want you to come to know me as I know you in an intimate way. My love is unconditional. And friends, that's where we are this morning. We are, we are sitting before a God that is all-knowing, and yet his love is unconditional. And I would dare say, if God, if, if he was keeping track eye for eye, there would be none of us in this building today. If God worked off of the premise that every time you do something disobedient to me, I'm going to take you out we would be having more funerals than we can keep up with. 
the office would be getting calls, inundated with calls every day, multiple times a day. He died, she died, he died, she died, he died, she died. Why? Because they were disobedient to God. That's the way God works. But that's not the way he works. He is here today to give us another chance. He is here today to help us to understand the omniscience of God and that he knows our need and he knows our scars and he knows our sins. And who are we to put the mask on and play the charades all the time knowing that God knows? Would you stand with me this morning? Our Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, we stand before an almighty God that is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. We stand before an almighty God that knows what we do, knows how we think, knows what we say, and knows what we need. And Father, it is in that reverence and that humility that we stand here today asking for you to search us and to test us and tell us and help us. We need you. We need your help. Because, Father, when we look, look back on our life and we look at the things that we have done, the behaviors that have been patterns of our life, all we can say is, oh, my God. And yet when we look at the awesomeness of the uh, omniscience of you, we look at the unconditional love that you have for us, all we can say is, oh, my God. So, Father, in that reverence this morning, we dismiss unto your power, unto your love, and your presence. We ask that this day would be ordained of you. We pray for safety. We pray for health. We pray for strength for everyone in this building. And Father, I pray today specifically now that if there be any here that the enemy has tried to twist these words that you've given to me, Father, that no one will leave this building with a misunderstanding. But we will leave this building knowing that even though you know, you love us unconditionally. And we leave today. We dismiss ourselves in that love. In your name I pray. Amen. Have a blessed day in the Lord. God bless you.